This is episode 42 of the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. Welcome to episode 42 of the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. I'm Andrew Hines, and today I have Mandy Branham on the show. Mandy Branham is the uh, self-proclaimed JV queen, and Mandy has 75 JV properties to date. So those are properties that she's done with partners that have put in the money, and she's brought the expertise and the working uh, attitude to get these properties either renovated or just turnkey rented out and generate positive cash flow and hopefully get the investors in with just around $60,000. Her story shows a lot of grit. She's been very aggressive about it and she balances the needs of her family along with building a, a pretty aggressive portfolio since 2014. What she's done is nothing short of inspiring, so I'm really confident that you're gonna enjoy this episode. It's great to see somebody absolutely crushing it the way that she is. Quick housekeeping, we host the Greater Hamilton REI Meetup every single month here in Burlington, Ontario. And this is where you get to meet other real estate investors, connect, share stories and ideas and grow together. This is a completely free event. So if you're not already in our private Facebook group, make sure that you either send me a message at the Andrew Hines on Instagram, or feel free to click the link in the show notes of this episode so that you can be a part of our group and you can benefit from our community and contribute to it just like everyone else is. I would really love the opportunity to meet you at one of these events. So without further ado, please enjoy episode 42 with Mandy Branham. Hello and welcome to the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. I have Mandy Branham on this episode. Mandy, how are you? Excellent. Been a busy day, lots going on, lots of uh, balls in the air, juggling lots, but uh, you know what? No different than everybody else that's got a busy busy life. Yeah, it seems like it gets busier, but I'm like... (laughs) Might go busier for a while and then go less busy after that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's definitely an ebb and flow of uh, of ups and downs depending on where you are with deals and yeah. and everything, right? Life. Yeah. So you're coming. You actually drove down from quite a ways, right? You come down for the uh, the meetups that happen monthly here in Burlington. Definitely, I'm a driver. So two hours is uh, two. I, I go uh, uh, Durham region as well. Out two hours to Quinton sometimes. So there's um yeah, it's worth it. Yeah, you're making a lot of connections because a lot of people refer to you. Uh, I, I think your your Instagram handle is JV Queen, is it? JV Queen. Yeah, so I guess you're into JVs. Is I what, am. Uh, is what you're saying. So yes. I actually am. I, I think I saw a, an article on you in a magazine at one point in time. The details are foggy because it was a while ago. Yep. So why yep. don't you just enlighten our viewers and listeners as to what you've been up to? Started investing in 2014. Joined a, a coaching group, and from there um, went from you know the two properties that we had on our own we did a couple a couple of our own properties uh flipped to ourselves got all of our money back and really started to recognize that people were watching and so from 2015 today we've transacted on 75 properties so mm-hmm. under five years a majority of them are joint ventures we certainly have some on our own um that we of course maxed out on on financing and you know got as creative as we could get but it was just um the, the best way was for us to be able to help other people um, invest in real estate that didn't have the time. So, um, yeah, that's what I do. Yeah. So are you are you actively uh, keeping these properties? Are you flipping them? What's your main strategy with them? Keep. You're all, you're all keepers. Hold. You know, like, so when I meet a potential joint venture, it's always, hey, let's talk about what it is you're looking to get out of real estate. So one of my favorite stories to be able to share is a gentleman that said, uh, that came to us and he has a, a severely autistic child. And so together we bought a property for his child's retirement. So the, the purpose behind that investment was not get rich quick, was not you know, fast cash was. So we looked for an asset that matched those needs. And it was just a beautiful thing to be able to go shopping with that kind of outlook. So definitely long-term buy and holds, five years minimum um, typically is is what our joint ventures are. And then we have a human conversation like, hey, where are you in life? Where am I? Oh, my daughter's getting married. I need some, pro-. you know, that's why we bought this five years ago was to help with weddings or help with tuition or, you know, help with my retirement. And so let's sell it or, or hey, you know what? I don't need the money and we just refinance it if we can refinance it we hold on so you to do it. a five-year horizon that's typically what you're looking at and then re reevaluate yeah. at that point follow the term of the mortgage 
So we get a five-year mortgage. That's what we do. Um, I've had a couple that do three-year terms just for specific reasons around I'm going to be retiring in four years. So I want to look at a three-year refinance, which we did. We refinanced. And then um, now she said it and forget it. We pulled out all the money. Okay. So in your typical structure would be yep. your partner is going in with all the, all the capital. Are you doing renovations and then refinancing or is it just buy and hold? Um, it varies. It varies. You know, we definitely have uh, turnkey properties that are high cash flow. We just turned, we just um, closed on a property in Kingston, turnkey triplex, no renovations required, but lots of potential lift. And we got it under market value. So I just want to share with people that just because there's no needed doesn't mean that it's not that you're not making money in the buy and it's you know still a good asset to be able to offer to a jv majority of them i definitely specialize in single family conversions to duplexes or the burr strategy um okay so so you're doing a lot of duplex conversions that's a big one for you okay yeah what areas um kingston uh st Catharines, hamilton barry aurelia midland penetang Where's Penetang? Midland Penetang. It's like Georgian oh, Bay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So Those I know where Midland two. is. Yeah. So you are spread all over the place. Do you have um, people that work in your outfit or is it all about having really good general contractors? Tell me how you structure yourself to be able to pull that off. 75 properties over the course of five, five six years. years. Yeah. So we started off creating the systems in our own backyard and then we just realized that the systems can be taught, duplicated ourselves in other cities. So we actually have representation of ourselves, um, working partners on the ground, which have created the same systems that we created in our hometown and we've just duplicated it in in those models. Do you have a corporation that has those people on payroll? No, they are they're joint venture partners of so mine, your so joint to speak. venture partners that come in and want to invest in in the Golden Horseshoe, St. Catharines, well, and whatever. Yeah. Uh, those people would be uh, people that are willing to be feet on the ground. No, so I have uh, so it's still uh, we'll say it's still a fifty fifty model. But I share my 50% with somebody that's on the ground. Oh, okay. Okay. So you still do 50-50, but you might split yours up to work out just so that you can do more. Okay. Hey, that that makes a lot of sense. Now, as far as duplicating yourself, I think that's a very interesting conversation Mm -hmm. because it's something I've specifically uh, struggled with. And I found the one thing that works is creating manuals, but they're very time intensive. Yeah. Like yep. a, a procedure, a yep. manual and a procedure. Yeah. How have you grown? How have you taught somebody else to have the same eye for things that you do? Yeah. So I did take uh, a week away back in 2017 and did a Mandy brain dump. Um, there was definitely that, um, uh, what would what, what it called drop dead Mandy method. And, and if I were to leave what information was in my head that nobody knew, um, now there were pieces of information that my property manager would know or that my certain contractors, but so I actually invested a week of quiet time at a cottage and downloaded my, 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 my thoughts and yeah. put it all on paper. Um, the onboarding process for a new mentee coming into my program is typically four to six months months where we go over and we look at market conditions, we look at all kinds of different things, get the contractor set up. So I'm teaching them those systems um, over the course of, of that onboarding process. Okay, so the so the brain dump is is uh, it's the various different things that they need to know, the tools that they need in their toolkit. Yeah. Um, so you're kind of communicating what you would like to see or you were communicating what you would like to see. Oh, absolutely. And what, what to look for in a deal? Like what, what do I look for in a deal? What is attractive to a joint venture? And you know, there are deals that I've passed up and we're like, nope, that doesn't work for me and my joint venture model. And another investor will come in and go, I don't, I think you're crazy, Mandy. You know, you missed something. And I said, yeah, but that's your money and your time. And you're the renovator and you're the contractor, you're the financer, all those kind of things. So they've got more areas to be able to play with. When I'm bringing in somebody else, there's a certain amount of lift that I look for. There's a certain value that I buy it and need that 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 space between purchase and renovate and ARV, all that kind of stuff. So let's let's go through a basic uh, kind of model of a deal that would make sense to you. So uh, you mentioned ARV, so that's after repair value yes. for anybody who's not familiar. Um, okay, so tell me about a deal that you might uh, you might have tackled lately and and what you know, what criteria you were looking for and and what that deal looked like. Sure. So um, we bought it in Kingston was 280, 
Oh, we'll just round to 280. Might have been 282, but we'll say 280,000. Renovations will be 80. ARV is 420. Okay, so in your renovations, like carrying costs are, are in there, or like yeah. that's that's all in. Okay. Uh, no, no, carrying costs are just, or sorry, that's just renovations. So I would put another 10,000 for closing costs, carrying costs. Yeah, okay. I'll just, I'll put, I'll, I'll make it 90 then. Sure. 90 for reno and yep. carrying. Okay. Yep. So then your after repair value, or well, your, your purchase plus reno, purchase. And reno uh, is equal to and carrying costs yep. is equal to three seventy. Yep. And uh, where do you think you'll be as far as uh, and after repair value? Four twenty. Four twenty. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So at that point, will yep. you go back to the bank? So your JV partner holds holds. Uh, title and holds the mortgage you'll yeah. go back to the bank and, and arrange a refi correct yeah okay so you're you're gonna have um well a 336 mortgage at 80 percent yeah. mm-hmm. which if you're you know working with people that don't have other mortgages in their name yeah. that's doable yeah so uh, that's gonna put you at a um, $34,000 net investment af- yeah. so after refi net investment yeah all right what's that deal gonna look like from a cash flow standpoint um I think it's about $600 a month and that's factoring maintenance and all that. Oh, maintenance, vacancy, property management. Yeah. Okay. That's that's nice. That's the triplex you were mentioning. No, that is not the triplex. Different one. Okay. Yeah. So so six six hundred bucks times twelve months. So that's seventy two hundred mm-hmm. appreciation in that market. We'll 4%. figure. You're gonna say four. Yeah. Let's say three. We'll you could say three. We'll I'm be conservative. Yeah. You you know you always could get it, but uh, just in case we'll play conservative. I think your numbers are still gonna look good. And then your pay down. We just say three percent on that yeah, on that mortgage. Absolutely. So cash flow seventy two hundred, appreciation twelve thousand six hundred uh, at a three percent rate, and then pay down on the mortgage would be ten thousand and eighty dollars. Uh, and if we add all that up, your return on that is uh, just short of thirty thousand, so twenty nine thousand eight eighty. Yep. And if you were to do an ROI, so a return on investment for your investor, well, you're splitting yep. it obviously. Yep. No, no. Div- yep, divided by the remaining thirty four thousand. Yeah. So yeah, you're you're almost at a hundred percent, right? Yeah. That's twenty nine eight eighty. So eighty seven point eight eight percent. That's pretty solid. So, mm-hmm. you know, even the, if the investor is only getting half of that because you're splitting it, mm-hmm. that's still forty, almost forty four percent on their money. I don't get out of bed for less than thirty, yeah. which means that my partner minimally will make ever fifteen. So it just kind of shows you where the deals are that I look for. The varying factors for where for what properties I would part I would place a partner in is if somebody needed mm-hmm. significant cash flow, then we would definitely be going in an area where cash flow is is higher. Um, if somebody just liked the Golden Horseshoe and they wanted to invest in Hamilton, well then they they might be leaving sixty thousand dollars in a deal with half of the cash flow half of that like if we could get so the return might not be as good in, in certain circumstances the returns would be good because your market appreciation you could put at what do we put in hamilton now comfortably well you know what i don't like for forget, my numbers okay. i never do so but i mean it, if you then. look at what you have had oh man you you could have what six seven eight nine ten. Oh, so then i would put conservatively four yeah and be able to say to somebody like your money is secure the tenant profile is phenomenal the market rents are high and the asset value is so solid but no you're not going to get paid a, a, a lot of money every month so the rois are going to be similar like i think yeah. the, the you know the, we're, we're talking 60 percent return on investment split that in half some my partners are getting 30 and um but the cash flow is not great but it's still a phenomenal market to be able to yeah to duplicate it yeah, I just had a person on earlier today that uh, he was talking about how he's doing um, He's doing deals. It wasn't Robbie, mm-hmm. it was the guy before him, but um, basically deals that, uh, you know, he's just trying to break even, but he's doing it in the Toronto market, actually, like Toronto proper, yep. Port Credit, um, where, you know, it's all appreciation. It's an yes. appreciation game. Now, that always made me feel a little uncomfortable. I like the cash flow because, you know, appreciation could end one day. But. Yeah, and it's very different how you filter, how you filter when you're bringing in somebody else's money. Sure. Okay. And so I have the conversation It's interesting because I have a couple private lenders that I just wanted to try a different method. And these private lenders are like, oh, I would like an update. I would like pictures. And I was like, wait a minute here. You're not my partner and you're a private money lender. And if you want all these updates and maybe you could become a partner, but in the meantime, you're not. And so when I bring in a partner, I have specific things that I look for, the risk tolerance that I'm able to have, um, cash flow is essential. I would never go into a deal that we don't. The only time we potentially go into lower cash flow is agreed upon upon a refinance to be able to say, hey, we could get 
700, we'll just say for this duplex in Hamilton. But if we did that, we would be at, you know, break even cash flow. So do we want to refinance up to the max or do we want to refinance at 650 or 610 or 600 so we can maintain that $300 cash flow? Other ways that I'll go about it is if agreed upon, we'll say, hey, let's go up to the 700 max out the refinance value that the bank will give us but we're going to leave a 10 to fifteen thousand dollar reserve fund so really it's still us borrowing the money from the bank but we're setting it aside for the cash flow in a different form you must have a really good bookkeeper with 75 properties on the go (laughs) you know what i tell you a story i listened to a robert kiyosaki podcast one time and at the end of his rich dad podcast it's always the ask robert and there's this gentleman that got on and said hey robert i've got a deal i'd love for you to be able to can i pitch it to you and robert said sure just tell me like who's your bookkeeper who's your accountant and the guy said oh i do my own bookkeeping and my own accounting and robert goes well, I'm out. And the guy goes, but you haven't even heard about my deal. And Robert goes, if you don't even have a bookkeeper and an accountant, I don't want to do business with you. So I called my bookkeeper and I was like, I love you. Thank you. Um, and just realized that it was just essential for me to be able to have those tools now. It's just, it's scalable. It's uh, reputable. You, you know, I have people on my power team. You know, I, I won an award recently with Rain. And uh, the following morning, my accountant called me. And she said, I heard that you won and I just wanted to congratulate you. So you know that you have those people on your team that are there to support you um, through the hard times and the what should I do and and the good times. So, yeah, it, well, it's, it, having the team is, is huge. Sounds mm-hmm. like you've uh, you've pulled the trigger on that early on. Yeah. I mean, there's going to be a breaking point with with trying to do all that. I, I found uh, bookkeeping for me was something that started really, you know, not nearly as good as it is now. Yeah. You know, the quality of it. And so I have a pretty high standard for that. I do yeah. have a bookkeeper that I work with. Yeah. And it's just like we have a little we both work it. Yeah. You know, we both have the QuickBooks online. We can both, you know, tap in and stuff. And that's what I like. I like to be able to see it. I don't know yeah. if you can see yours too. But do you have like, you have a different bank account. You must have every single JV partner's got the, got an account with you, right? Definitely some logistical. Yeah. Like, holy crud, I didn't realize it. Uh, not every property has its own account. Uh, I've got a couple partners that have three, Multiple, four, yeah. five. And so we will lump those into a bank Perfect. account together. Um, but majority of them, yeah, it, it's, uh, it just, it's super easy for bookkeeping. So so it's almost like the lesser of two pissers. Are so you going to be, you know, you're going to have a, a bookkeeping nightmare or you're going to have a bank account nightmare. And, yeah. you know, I, right for me, the bank accounts are are easier for me to handle. I go in and the, the bank clerks are like, I don't know how you keep all this stuff straight. I was like, don't ask. Well, I think the key is don't go into the bank anymore. <laughs> Do it all from home. There, Yeah, yeah. There's definitely still stuff that I need, though. Um, Drafts. Yeah, yeah like... If E could, if if um, Interact could just raise their limits, we'd be yeah. fine. But so it's silly little things like that that you come up to that you you know you yeah. just kind of go. There's no system around this. Or do you have ACH direct deposit? No. That's the next one on the list. Okay. Business account though, it has to be off a of business account. But you can basically. So I do for my employees. Yeah. I do uh, direct deposit for any of my sub trades. Everyone yeah. gets paid direct deposit. I like it. And uh, just a huge time saver. Uh, you set your own limit. So if yeah. you want to set your limit to a million dollars, you can. Right. Okay. Uh, you have a password and a key fob with a code that resets every five, six seconds. Okay. So it's it's secure in that sense. Does it uh, have to be a certain bank they're using, like a business bank? Well, or? I use it through RBC, yeah. uh, but I've seen it from other banks too. I've okay. seen the exact same fob with BMO. Uh, okay. I'm sure there are other banks that, that have it. Might be a major time saver for you uh, if you can send money online between, like, I don't know if you're with TD or whatever, you send it between the one account to your business account, and then from there you can do the uh, do the, the magic. Yeah, yeah. So, See? Perfect. Thank you. I love that. I'm always open to new tips because there's always bigger and better ways to be able to do things well just going into the bank um, is something that i don't like doing and um, if you can avoid drafts mm-hmm. and ach is pretty quick mm-hmm. like i can pay somebody next day yeah uh, even in my lawyer's trust account i could send it okay um, do you have a way to be able to open joint accounts without uh that you've that you've not stumbled into without going in mm-hmm. no that i have not <laughs> again it's a logistical yeah. thing right we need these accounts um you know and so it is it's a uh, i've already that's hard because you're in one area so 
So you have to drive down just to no. open a bank account, right? I have certain people now that they understand what I'm doing. And they'll and open so the accounts. And so they will open the accounts. Um, so one of my JV partners were like, well, I can do that myself. And she's lovely. She really is. And I was like, hey, you know what? She's going to try. Let her try, right? And nope, didn't work. Yeah. Was a nightmare. Was three weeks before they actually opened it up. All those kind of things. So. Wow. Yeah. So I guess, uh, you know, the logistical problems just grow. But if you got a good team, yeah. do you have any employees direct? Yes, we have. Uh, well, we have a property management company uh, within there. We have a, an office assistant with my property manager. We've got a full time cleaner, full time handyman there. And then on the construction side, we've got two laborers and a contractor. And then my husband, that's more the project manager. And where are they based out of? Where is that operation based out of? So that's the Midland that's your home. Aurelia yeah. area. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that system, that umbrella of our companies, that's what we're going to duplicate in various areas. So more of the acquisition person. Yeah acquisition, um, management, and construction. Do you mind uh, telling me a little bit about the type of scope on your renovation? Uh, I know you said you're doing a lot of uh, duplex conversions. Yep. Is that, so yep. even up there in, in um, yep. Midland, you're yep. still doing that there? Yeah, it, it's a great market. So again, we're looking for prop, we're looking for price points that are appropriate with, you know, the renovations are, 80 to $100,000 pretty much anywhere you go. Some municipalities have expectations over others, right? St. Catharines is just, you know, a bit of a, a nightmare to have to work with. 80 to 100,000 is renovations Ontario wide right now. Uh, so it's a matter of where can I buy and renovate for that 80,000? We do a lot of renovate to rent. And I just like, I want to shout that to the world um, because a lot of investors, like they, they make their house look appraisal ready, which I agree with. I, yeah. I support that. But then they have this unbalanced perception that a tenant, whether you're a phenomenal tenant or not, that you're going to get scratches on the floor. You're going to get nicks in your wall. You're going to get holes with pictures. Um, and then they, so they want this perfect tenant profile, but so their house is still always going to be lived in it's going to become somebody's home and so we just kind of look at it and go if i can keep my rent down because i keep the kitchen and paint it and i'm not going to be upset if in five years i have to replace the kitchen then but i look to keep my renovation costs down at the get-go because there's you know something to be said about hey we're going to refinance this in five years why don't we take ten thousand dollars of that time and redo the kitchen upstairs because when I'm attracting a financial partner, if I were to say, we're going to do everything, you know, you're $120,000 in, I'm offering them, it's going to be a 200 plus thousand dollar amount of money. It, yeah. It's a barrier to entry for a lot of my partners. So are you generally leaving the upstairs untouched? You I love it when the upstairs is on. Like, so you can just leave it. Yeah, I think that sounds yeah. fantastic too, to me. Right, you close off the wall. So what do you do? You close off the wall, add washer, dryer, interconnected smoke detectors. Yeah, so a couple of holes in the drywall to connect the smoke detectors. Done. And then you do the fire code uh, drywall in the basement yep. and to section it off. Uh, that's a beautiful rental right there. So for those of you who aren't uh, familiar with that type of renovation, we're talking yep. about uh, a duplex. Or sorry, you're creating a duplex that's a single family home, a bungalow with a side door entrance. Yep. And that side door has a stairs up and stairs down. So that's perfect. Then you can just section off that little cavity as, uh, as a washer dryer stackable. Yep. Yep. Uh, which is like the standard model. Yep. Everybody seems to be doing it. Hey, why fix it if it isn't broken? And uh, and then, yeah, of course, if you can just get away with doing that basement 80 grand and, you know, work the kind of numbers that you just showed me, that's a really big win for everyone. Yeah. Keeps the renovation simple, keeps the scope down so that you can do more deals. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of people that they, they overthink things. Um, you know, the windows. Well, the windows are going to need to be done. Let me repeat that. The windows are going to need to be redone. Does that mean they have to be redone right now? And, you know, there's this, I'm not, I'm, my eyes are wide open, but that doesn't mean that things have to be done immediately right now. And we renovated our own primary res and it took longer than all these other ones. And the reality is that we did things at a slow pace. When we had the money, we put an extra little bit in. And so you go, okay, the front doors need to be replaced, but the windows can wait. And maybe you've replaced one at a time. Maybe you, you know, like uh, things happen, but the house doesn't have to be brand new for a tenant to be in there. Right. And I think that's an important lesson. Like I have a property with a furnace that's 30 years old. And you know what? I was I was about to replace it. And then I looked at the cost. I'm like, 
no <laughs> i'm right. not going to replace right. it if it breaks in the middle of the winter then maybe i will but so so for a property like that it's a great i love that okay um if it ain't broke don't fix it although in my mind now my reserve fund on that property would have this five thousand six thousand seven thousand so if a if a partner were to say hey we've got you know x amount of dollars in the bank account let's take cash flow i will remind them that we're on year 30 of the furnace so it's either we can take the cash flow and then have to do a cash injection to be able to cover that or or we can just let it sit there right i'm a fan of the leave it model uh no one wants a cash call so no just just don't you know so for me i've I, i was just talking about this on the previous podcast but the the five uh, percent maintenance thing. I used to always say five percent was enough, especially on my newer renovated properties. But even on those, stuff comes up. I mean, I if you're figuring true life cycle stuff like shingles, figure every fifteen to twenty years. If yeah. you're, if your if your roof was done well, I've seen them go after ten years or less if they weren't done well. Yep. And uh, you know you got to figure that's coming. Furnaces are usually the newer ones are only good for like ten to fifteen years. Sometimes yep. some of them get to twenty, uh, and those aren't cheap. Those are big. You know, those are like depending on who you got to do it you could be yeah. spending six grand to do both uh, or more seven i've even had the um you know the sewer lines collapse and those are go, the bad right? ones those are the bad cash calls you do not want to get yeah, yeah but you know they they redid the road out front and then the sewer line went you know so my partner was like well what's going on i was like what's going on you want to call the city because you know like their big machines and whatever is probably led to what had happened but nobody could see those coming so if we don't have reserve funds for the the ones for the for the ones that we do see potentially coming i almost call them like a b and c um renovations yeah. right the a are the a are oh my gosh this needs to be done right now yeah the b is hey the roof's not looking too great we probably have another two to three yep. years out of it and then the ones are hey when and if the tenants go we really could look at the kitchen it's not essential, right. but it's, you know, it's, it's, let's have the conversation so that we're nobody shocked and shaken when I say, yep, it, it needs to go. Or, you know, we would really attract a better quality tenant, um, if we did turned it over. So a lot of, uh, the other way to, for people to be able to see deals, of course, create deals as Ryan Carr, a genius that he is, uh, would indicate would be to say, Hey, let's buy this turnkey as is and leave it like don't do anything to it in the back of your mind you say hey there's lots of renovations for us to do uh when and if the tenants move out then we will renovate the units as is so we bought a property for two hundred thousand dollars um 2017 finally one of the tenants moved out she went from 860 dollars all inclusive we did um twelve thousand dollar renovation to her unit and brought it up to three hundred thousand dollars so my partner was able to refinance all of his money out in under two years and um and then and then the cash flow went up even though the mortgage has gone up we put somebody in for 1200 plus hydro so it's like $450 increase in our monthly um, cash flow coming to us. Don't you just love that? I love it when they when you turn something over and your cash flow goes up. That's, that's just like you free money. You look like a genius. So you almost have to underestimate what the property yeah. could be and um, and see opportunity where other people's don't. You know, one of the, you know, how, Mandy, how have you bought all these properties? Somebody would, you know, they always say, well, you must obviously do yellow letters and knock on doors. And I go like, I, I ain't got no time for that kind of thing. I use a realtor. I would tell you that 75% of my deals are from the MLS um, or yeah um, yeah there are on market deals for sure you you just got to know your market you know you know your market so when something comes up you just you jump on it right I had Sarah on this podcast and Sarah went through a deal uh, Sarah Larby uh, a deal that she did and she made uh, I think she pulled out 39,000 yeah yeah that's that's pretty solid you know you you get you get paid $39,000 to keep a property yeah that's powerful yeah yeah. So, you know, and, you know, if you got a JV partner, they're happy. They pulled all their money back out. Um, you know, I don't know how you work at it. How do you work it out in situations like that where you find a smoking deal and you can pull all the money back out? Yeah. So the beauty of my model is that I don't get paid until my partners have 100% of their capital back. So you don't take any cash flow, anything like that? Oh, 50% of the cash flow. Just oh, okay. Because you know what? Everybody needs to eat. But typically I've had, I think, four or five deals where after the initial renovations, uh, my partners get all of their money back and we split. 
okay so if you, you refinance up to up to the break-even point for yourself or, or for your investor for and then investor. anything after that is split you guys both have access to that money yeah. to use yeah yep yep now. so that so once they have all their original capital back and let's just say we still have 20 percent equity technically um 10 percent of that equity is mine if they have all their capital back yeah yeah that must be it gets kind of messy when you're trying to not kinda, anymore not with a bookkeeper right you're tracking all the interest deductible uh, all that stuff yeah yeah, yeah. they is they, it to your corporation uh it uh, when i started it was personally so i still have some jvs that were personal and then i was like oh okay this is growing pretty fast yeah. and now we certainly have a plethora of yeah. of corporations so yes typically it would be um personal name to my corporation sometimes it's corporation to corporation and again when we first got started it was personal name to personal name so right so obviously the implications which i'm sure you stumbled across is the banks if you're showing properties owned on your 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 personal taxes they're going to hold that against you when you're trying to get mortgages even if you're not on title they no. could they could they could that some could i i know not all of them would if you say you're not but i've heard of okay in bad yep. instances where they would yeah um it just depends on the underwriter you get so hopefully you, you get a same good same thing with yeah. the if your partner's in your corporation when you start to have to show two years of tax returns yeah. the second that an um one underwriter said, hey, it only shows 50% ownership of this property. Um, who owns the other 50%? And they want then to it see got them. a little sticky. Yes. Yes. See, that's what I was I was wondering about. Yeah. What do you do on the other side when you're you're going to the bank and refinancing and they say, well, you know, you only own 50%. What's up? And, but uh, we'll, you're still we'll you're still bridge. getting it done. Yeah. It's, it's not yeah. been a problem. Well, I guess you're, you're still going early, right? Like you guys do the work in the first year. It's more going to be like the five year down the road. If you want to refi, then they start asking the yeah. question. Yeah. 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 These are good. I like these conversations. And, and I'm sorry for anyone listening. If you're if you didn't follow along with that, that was like my own personal uh, interest <laughs> there. But uh, basically, banks make you sign this thing that says there's no other beneficial owner. So if it's a JV, technically, that's a little bit of a uh, gray area with the bank. Um, you know, in most cases, they don't know about it. And it's, you know, not a big deal. Yeah. But, um, you know, it's just one of those things you got to be cognizant of. I've seen it not be an issue for people, uh, you know, but yeah. I mean, obviously, some some underwriters at banks are going to say, hey, what's that and and have an issue? Yeah. Um, you know, the lawyer sits across the table and says, you know what, I'm happy to sign all of these agreements. There's nothing inappropriate about what you're saying. I'm not lying to any banks. My accountant is like, Mandy, you're playing all above the all above table. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, when you've got these people on your power team that are supporting you, you kind of yeah. go, hey, like I yeah, I think this is uh, it's a good way to go. But I'm not saying that it's something that every bank, but you know, you kind of look at it and go like, there are some pretty big fish playing JV games around. So and that's the thing that I, I think as an investor has served me is is watch what's working for other people. Yeah. I mean, if somebody else is doing it, there's clearly a way. Yeah. So then you're kind of you got to kind of got to keep an eye out and say, OK, well, how are they doing that? Yeah. Maybe call the people who are involved in transactions and figure out what they did or yeah. how they got it done. Work with their finance guy. Uh, I, all I know is that there is more money out there than there are people, Andrew, people like us, people that are listening right now that are the doers, that are the ones that are out there looking at properties and looking to grow portfolios. So maybe there's a balance of, of passive investors that are just like, hey, I want real estate. So I always say to people, I'm looking for investors who want real estate as part of a diversified investment portfolio. Okay. Um, but there are more people with money than there are people like us on this side that are working and knowledgeable and, and learning and growing and on the ground. And so we almost have a duty to be able to be the working partner. Um, you know, and I want those people that are like, Hey, I want to get into real estate. I see the benefits of it. I'm learning all this stuff, but I don't have any money. There's so much you can bring to the table. You just have to know how to position it. And so, yeah, like that's what, you know, it's what I what I share with people is um, we have a duty. We have a duty to be able to put that money to work. There, there if I hear about one more person who's getting, you know, 2%, 2% in a bank account is, is huge, right? Uh, I used to work at CIBC and there was a gentleman that would come in every month and he would get me to update his bank book and every month there was about $26,000 of interest go in and it was like a million it was a million dollar um bank account hmm. and he was just so excited that he got $26,000 and you're just like do you have any idea what percentage of interest rate that is 
for your money, right? But he didn't care, it was solid, all these kind of things. But, so if you can offer somebody a solid return, you know, on a solid asset, which with all the research that you've done on to why the market, why that property, um, why the renovations, why that's gonna be a long-term buy and hold, you've done all that, you've checked all their boxes. Absolutely. And you, you've, you've phrased that with a lot of passion, so I can tell that that's probably how yeah. your, your conversation goes. And I, I think that that is true. And I, it's definitely a reason why there are a lot of private lenders that, uh, you know, have have worked with me in the past uh, because and, and still do because, you know, they want to earn a return and, and they know that that this is the way um, that you're going to do more than the bank does without needing to do the work yourself. Right. Because yeah. we all know real estate Like you can I've had case studies on here of people making like we showed 88 percent, 100 percent, like yeah. infinity yeah. when you're pulling money out. But are you the person pulling up your sleeves? And I think a lot of people just like you said, they don't have an in them. They don't necessarily want to do that. And that's not a bad thing that's no. okay it's okay to admit that no i love those professionals i go you do you you be the yeah. professional doing what you do let me do what i do you know um yeah and yeah. and together we'll we'll be able to build you know generational wealth so looking at this uh you know when you set out obviously you probably tried to do a few deals yourself and realized okay we're getting tapped out yeah. and and then you went on to the jvs with like how did you start structuring that where would where did you get your base structure did you start with a lawyer did you start with an agreement that somebody had given you and and i'm sure it's evolved yeah so um i went on rav tours tv show and uh we taped an episode and then the next episode that he was ta ta uh, taping was with a gentleman named gary mcgowan um and gary did where they were talking about joint ventures and i said is it okay if i sit over here and watch so i was just this like i was soaking up all this information and gary had done like 30 joint ventures and i was like this guy is blowing my mind and he said hey come out to my meeting like i just love the simplicity of it so i went out to his meeting Meeting, and uh, I was telling them I had a deal under contract and a gentleman came over to me lo and behold he'd be my mentor still is to this day Andrew Brennan um, known as the VTB King and uh, I don't even know how many properties he had at the time and I'd said to the two guys can I come out for drinks with you and so that just I just started to learn about you know I'd say to Gary I was like so tell me about your agreement and he was like I don't want to and I said why not and he was like because I don't have any agreement so he had a lot of this stuff on family trust and on yeah. just old boys club so you're kind of following the mix part of my coaching group you know i went to the lawyer there uh looked online for the agreements and um and started to create my own agreement but it was a lot of um you know the first couple of joint ventures were hours on the phone two hours trying to you know back and forth well i'm not sure let me ask things like that and then you know i got off the phone another time and larry goes larry's my husband and he was like well what what, what why is that so quick and i was like she said yes and he's like it's only been 20 minutes because i knew all the things that she needed to know and so i was able to just touch on them a lot quicker yeah how do you keep it simple like i mean obviously for me i've done a lot of just like borrowing uh like just borrowing a basic loan with interest yeah. and uh it's really easy to explain. Hey, here's here's the total amount you're going to lend, and here is your cash flow. Um, how do you break it down and keep it real simple, especially when they're de you know, dealing with a contract that might be like what five pages or even more? Uh, yeah. Depends on what you what you're using. Um, how, how do you deliver that in a way that it, it keeps the conversation simple? I, I don't want to say it's it's like I, I don't dumb it down so much that I pretend like I talk above them for sure. Mm -hmm. I meet them where they're at, kind of understanding what do you know and where do I need to pick up? Um, a lot of it just comes down to the logistics. We don't get into the, well, if you want out and you, let's say you go through a divorce and you need out or you die and it goes to your trustee, like all that stuff's in the agreement. We really don't necessarily yeah it's in there because it needs much. to be right yeah, yeah just like the logistical part but pretty much we talk about what are your roles and responsibilities and what are my roles and responsibilities mm. i need your money i need your qualification um i need to know if you're out of the country so that if there's a, a maintenance issue we can connect um anything under 500 dollars, you're agreeing that i have the um authorization to approve for me to be able to do a maintenance and repair without their permission anything over 500 dollars gets discussed 
trust. The bank account has transparency. They can see every transaction that goes on into it. You know, one of the things, and it is a, it is a, a legitimate concern to me, um, I'm not going to get into the details as why, working with a partner and yeah. you, need, you, you as, as the working partner need their trust that they're not going to take money out of that account without permission. I mean, you could put whatever you want in an yeah. agreement, but if they have access to the account, it is possible. Yeah. Correct. And I have seen it. Yeah. it and um, not saying necessarily personally, but I've seen it. So I'm yeah. just curious if, uh, you know, if you've seen it and how you hedge against it or are you are you really just in this as a relationship game and you, you read the people you're working with? Yep. So a joint venture has two ends of the spectrum. Hey, we can be really good friends. And but here's the agreement. Uh, and I like to tell people that we stay in the middle. OK, um, uh, have I had the agreements that I've been at there? I no, sorry. Here's here's like so the agreements wasn't signed. Here's my thirty thousand dollar tip, actually sixty thousand dollar tip for somebody. So uh, great couple. We bought two assets side by side. Phenomenal deals. The guy, the gentleman was dying. They really just needed them sold. I came in, but the agreement was that everything had to stay the same because the the gentleman, as he was dying, didn't want, you know, tenants being evicted and all this kind of stuff. So I have a heart and I was that kind of investor. I was a very inspired investor. So I bought them, brought in my JV partners. Um, a year later, we ha went to have them refinanced for us to be able to put to for them to refinance out some of these money. The gentleman had passed away at this point and both assets had gone up one hundred thousand dollars. Okay. In one year. That's pretty they nice. They didn't sign the JV agreement. They would not sign the JV agreement. They kept dragging their feet. They kept saying the lawyer, the this, the that, the this, the that. Okay. So, uh, you know, it's, it's a, it, ends, it, it, it ends well. You could see this going down fast. Like their greed factor, they started to question everything. And I was like, well, nothing's changed. Yeah. You know, all those kind of things. And so next thing you know, the bank account was closed. Oh. Closed and the money was gone. Yeah. Um, so in the end, so you would say that I was part of, if it was 50-50, it would have been that I should have gotten $100,000, yeah. right? Um, I got a check for $42,000. So you would say that I don't own two assets, that I potentially lost $60,000. But if we reframe it, because that's what we do, because that's what I do. And I say, you know what? So I didn't own anything. I didn't have my name on title. I didn't get an agreement signed. And I learned it, it, that I made $42,000 to learn that every agreement will be signed. Yeah, yeah, you got to dot your I's and cross your T's. It is, it is important, especially because you're dealing with a lot of people, right? And some of them, you know, like... You want to believe the best in people, but some yeah. of them are, you know, they're new relationships and you might not have a perfect read on them the first time. Yeah, for sure. The other ones, um, uh, you know, I keep in mind that when somebody has $200,000 off of a HELOC or cash out of a bank account um, and renovations are going on and down payment and there's no income... <laughs> And all they're getting is an, an email from Mandy and maybe some pictures along the way to be like, we're on schedule, we're on time. Their emotions are high. Like you can hear the wife going, are you sure? Do we need to go to Kingston to check out this renovation? Right? Things like that. Once the refinance happens and my partners get this $150,000 check in their hand to pay back the HELOC or put it back in their bank account, and all they have now is $50,000 on a completed duplex with two incomes they calm down so the renovation parts where they get a little angsty renovation part yeah and then there's you know like after the whole renovation and the refinance um i, I talk to my partners twice a year that's yeah that's nice yeah as, i think as long as the money's coming in they probably just log in see that okay that's cool yeah and there's money there's money <laughs> people it's, like that i the idea of that right yeah. when things aren't paying or when they're paying it heaven yeah. forbid that's yeah. when they get uh that's get a right. little upset yeah that's right so how do we mitigate that right um and keep in mind too that i won't go into a deal that i wouldn't do on my own so um when i go to buy a property i say how can i buy this property again my mentor gary mcgowan how do i buy this property is it cash my own cash, my own financing, is it private financing or is it a joint venture? So as long as a deal is a deal that I would do, I will find a way to finance it. 
And a joint venture is just one of the ways. Do you see the difference in that? Great way of looking at it. Instead of saying, instead of saying this is a great joint venture proper property, well then why don't you just do it on your own? Yeah. Well, well I don't want to do it if a, if a joint venture is not with me. Well then maybe I don't want in if if it's not something you do on your own. Their money is my money. Uh, very nicely, yeah. um, I'll place their money where I would place my own money. And keep in mind that the the faster I can get them all their money back, the faster I get paid. So to some degree, the risk is if I don't do well, I'm going to take longer and longer before I see a paycheck. The better I do, the better they've just done. Yeah. So once we refinance out, um, once we refinance out the money, I typically say to people, we will refinance that, recycle it onto another asset that we will own together. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I, I, I'm very with you there. That's part of like being a salesperson. Like if you're going to be a salesperson, you better have bought your product. And, you yeah. know, and that's that's the key, right? Like, why would yeah, why wouldn't you want it on your own now? I mean, there's obviously the reality is why do you do JVs? Because if you try to do everything on your own, you, you would be not nearly as far along. Yeah, it's not it's not as scalable. Like I get the private financing, but you know what? There's something to be able to say this is somebody's child's retirement. This is yeah. somebody's child's education. And you know what? I I definitely have a big heart. I want to be able to help as many people as I can. Yeah, that's great. I find that 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 helps people kind of keep driven with their goals and that's a yeah. good segue into that discussion is how do you keep so driven to do so much as you do obviously doing 75 properties over the five or six yeah. years is is quite a bit compared to what 99 percent of investors will do yeah um work harder on yourself than you do on your job okay give um, me some examples yeah personal development so the book beside my bled is turn your stressings into blessings so it's a different way just to be able to reframe a tough day um i just came back from arch archangel conference this past weekend so some just some really good motivational speakers being able to remind myself that i'm on the right track um I'm a human behavioralist. Uh, I study under a human behavioral specialist, and I'm a certified facilitator of a method that he does, which really just takes charges. So if you would get really upset with somebody. So I do a lot of stuff that's non-real estate mm -hmm. as much as I do stuff that's real estate, because I believe that being a good communicator and a good connector is going to help me connect with a seller, connect with a JV partner, connect with my power team connect with my family so that I can say, hey guys, I'm gonna be gone for two days and my family doesn't get all upset. That's the biggest tip I have. Yeah, so just work on work on yourself. That's a big one. Now, I know uh, not everybody is is uh, a believer that you should read so many books in a year. It's funny, I actually had Rav on the show and yes. I haven't Aww. posted that episode yet. He but, warms my heart, that man. Yeah, yeah, I love Rav. Um, anyway, so Rav's like, oh, read a book a year, you know, implement it. And I don't disagree. Like he's saying implement it, right? Because yes. if you're just going to read everything and implement nothing, what what's the point? On one hand, yes. On the other hand, if you submerse yourself in how other people think, successful people think all the time, mm -hmm. You're picking up stuff. Now, if you're not implementing anything, it's still not that effective. Agreed. Agreed. The first question I asked Rav when he got off stage or when he was still on stage, there was asked, you know, asked questions was what book is beside your bed right now? Now, I forget what he said, but at the time, the important factor was for me to hear what a mentor like that had beside his bed. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to know what he was reading. I mean, I'm not an avid reader. I don't read 100 books a year at mm -hmm. all. And we actually just debriefed after this conference this weekend to be able to say, what is what was your biggest takeaway and how are you going to implement that into your life? So we're in and I share this very nicely with people that we're in a we're in overwhelm with the amount of knowledge that we have out there you want content you got content you want a podcast you want da, 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 yeah. da, 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 da. how do we discern that into knowing what is the wisdom who has the wisdom and how can i put that wisdom into my life so when rav tour talks like i am quiet i'm listening the guy is it, like he just has so much wisdom and there's various other people in my world that have wisdom that i just i stop talking and i listen so i think it's sometimes knowing what is the noise and what's the wisdom and how do i just you know go straight to that wisdom yeah go straight to the wisdom now do you have like a threshold as to like how many things you'll try to implement at one time or you know are you working on one book and then listening to podcasts on 
on your drive or, or what have you? So my the podcast that I listen to, um, you know, I, I've listened to a few of yours. I look for, I feel the energy of the people that are there. Um, not necessarily to be like, oh, you know, I'd love to do rent-to-owns. Mm, nope. But look at the energy that that guy has towards the rent-to-owns. Um, you know, one of your, uh, your um, guests was a new investor, Michael Walk. Am I okay, saying? Yeah. Yeah? yeah. Okay. Watch. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, he's new. And I picked up from him his excitement again, like everything was new. Right. And I go, remember when everything was new? And I took from him that feeling of newness. Right. Um, I took from Sarah, a world of females in a, in a, in a, in a lot of male world. And, you know, I took her, her power and her, you know, that she shows up in a room and she has presence. And so I took from her, her presence in this room. I took from Dylan his like excitement of investing. Right. So it's not necessarily things that I can implement, but like feelings from people. Yeah, I like I do love the immersing and how how the people think. I think that is that is a big one. But I am I'm kind of restructuring things. I know Dylan's big on the Miracle Morning. Uh, 4 a.m. is way too early for me at the moment. Uh, Maybe I'll get there. But I'm making the uh, the decision to to start. Um, just being consistent starting yeah. at 6 a.m. just because it's not that hard for me to do yeah. and it gives me man the hour two hours of just like quiet time to just think and meditate which I've you know I'm yeah. working on that's not yeah. an easy thing for me never has been but it's getting better and uh, you know how much better I felt about my day today because I did that to start yeah. and you know dedicated reading time dedicated personal development time and when else would you do that once the day starts yeah yeah yeah. It's like putting out fires, making plans, ma- getting phone calls. Yeah. It, it just, you know, I, I really do think that uh, it's such a smart thing that he's doing. So he kind of got me onto that. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, but here's another thing, though. Don't think that you're not doing something right because you don't get up at four o'clock. Oh, no, not right? at all. No, not it, at all. You know, I always say to people, your life is perfect. There's You are here in this moment and I'm glad that you're here. You know, somebody said to me just over the weekend, oh, if I wouldn't have married this man and then had done this. And I was like, no, don't change. I love you exactly the way you are. And you might not be here in front of me right now if you hadn't had all these little experiences along the way. So please don't wish away anything that's happened in your past. Now we can go back into your past and see, you know, like let's uncover what some of the the blessings were in a, in a time that maybe there didn't feel like any. Um, but I want, I just like everybody to know that, you know, you, your journey is the perfect journey. So, you know, what is meditation? You know, for some people, they go for runs. Well, they're not sitting quietly, you know, you know, but they're meditating as they run. I meditate when I walk through the bush with my dog. Yeah. Uh, it's you know, peaceful, right? It's, it's the same type of quietness. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I find for me, like the more, so far, the more beneficial yep. is just kind of writing down my thoughts yep. like that. I get a lot of clarity out of that. Yep. I definitely journal. Um, I had uh, a mortgage specialist call me one time and she's like, what are you doing? I said, I was like, nothing. Why? And she's like, are you cooking? And I said, no. She said, I like it when you're cooking because you're calm. And I'm thinking, yeah, typically she's caught me at the end of the day and there was a lot of stressful situations that were going on. And I, she picked up on when I was cooking, I was I was, I was consumed. I had things going on and, you know, cooking for me is nourishing my family. And so it was, it was a good thing, but I just found it interesting that somebody picked up on the, who I was. So in that moment, that's something that it's my happy place. Nice. Yeah. Um, I have a question for you, kind of just shifting back into our real estate state discussion, because uh, obviously there's uh, lots of directions we could take this. Uh, But what is next for you? I mean, you've been on this JV path. Are you scaling it or do you have a goal with it? Um, what do you want to do? Yeah, so I will be across Canada in majority of the cities that we can that I can, you know, create um, pods of properties. Uh, I'm gonna I want to ev- elevate the elevate the um, the quality of units. You know, so all of my units are clean, safe, and appropriate. Um, I've definitely bought some slumlord properties very recently, and you know, the tenants at first are kind of a little annoyed, and then you're like, wait a minute, like 
your living standard isn't my living standard. So I'm definitely branching out larger and larger. Um, I have launched um, uh, a mastermind program to be able to say for a long time, I said, if you want to learn my JV structure, you got to come in and do a JV with me. And then I realized that I was kind of doing a disservice to a lot of people. So I am launching a JV mastermind. Um, it's just going to be going every six weeks. And then um, a mentorship program. Um, continual personal development for me and so you're you're doing mentoring as well is that like how did your mentor come along in your life and what how what you know role did he play yeah so he was the guy at this meeting he came over to me and uh he had x amount of properties significant amount of properties and uh and uh he gave me a tip on one of my properties mm -hmm. so he's like you got that you got that triplex under contract and i was like yes i'm sorry and he was like my investor was away and that's why i didn't get it and like to the point that i almost said do you want it <laughs> but i didn't and he said uh hey the back unit it was legal non-conforming it had a duplex and a garage in the back but the garage had been lived in for years and years and years and he said uh the lady across the street will sign an affidavit for you to be able to to confirm that it had been resided in prior to. So we got the affidavit signed. We gave her a $200 gift card and, um, and now it's a, uh, now it's legal. legal. Mm -hmm. Oh, nice. So the value of the asset went from 185 when my partner sold it to another partner. We flipped it to a JV, another JV. Uh, we made $180,000 in two years. So between the two of you. Okay. Yeah. Not yeah. bad. So she got all of her money back and 70. Uh, 75 and uh, no, uh, 180 would be, I don't remember. No, I only, I only got 75,000 out of the deal. So 150. And that's just from one of 75 deals that you got going on right now. Mm -hmm. That is sweet. Mm -hmm. So um, Mandy, what would be something you would want like our listeners and viewers to take away from this podcast? Surround yourself with people who have what you want to have. Um, so if you don't see yourself as this like active go-go investor, well then stop hanging around people who are flipping houses. Yep. If you want to have the lifestyle of somebody who has, um, real estate, but they're passive, then hang around those, like do what they do. Um, and listen to don't, we don't need to pretend anymore. Like, um, I'm very authentic. I've been known to be able to say it as it is, uh, sometimes a little too harsh, but you know what? Like we just, just show up as your authentic self. And, yeah. uh, if it feels right and it fits, then, then take it. And if it doesn't feel right, yeah. don't do it. I'm not a flipper. I don't like flipping. I, I don't not like flipping, but it's just not my model. And I don't know how many people will say, why don't you flip? Why don't you flip? And I'm like, you know what? There's beautiful people that flip. Yeah. Let those people flip. You want to make the money on that. Cool. So, yeah. so your income is, is made by, by the cash flow ultimately. Cash that's, flow. So that's your only occupation right now. You guys are being paid by the cash flow on your properties. Yep. And refinances. And refinances. Couple, we've sold a couple single families just because they weren't of highest and best use of mortgage qualifications in our, in our portfolio. Um, yeah. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. That's the way you want to do it. Uh, honestly, and that's the reason not to flip. Because you, you don't need to. Because yeah. honestly, any property you sell, you, you're going to regret it one day. I mean, yeah. you'll, you'll say, hey, I, you know what? I had a reason to do it at the time, but, you know, kind of wish I hadn't. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's pretty that's pretty standard stuff, I think, for a lot of people. But there definitely are people who uh, it's very systemized. I mean, uh, you know, Luke, uh, yeah. he, he goes, yeah, I'll flip the odd one because I need to keep my crew busy. And you're like, brilliant. Like, flip it. You know, it, his crew is sitting there. It's better for his crew to be busy. He'll flip yeah. the property. Like he's got those, You that's a, a larger mindset too. Um, you know, whereas if somebody says, actually, I just chatted with somebody today on the phone and they borrowed 100% financing. They flipped this property. The contractor cost them more money than they ever thought. And they're going to lose $40,000. Okay. Right now, 2019. Like that should not happen. No. Okay. So it, it, is it wrong? Could it have been different? Yes. All of the above. But um, like you should not be losing money in 2019 with all the knowledge, the resources, the podcasts, the... Yeah. Okay. So I just think, where did this guy kind of go off? Who was he listening to yeah. that was like, rah, 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 and then missed the boat, didn't have his best interest in mind? Who's going to wake up every day and, and work on your financial future? Mm -hmm. You. You. 
It's the same conversation about property management. No one cares about your stuff as much as you do. Your financial future is your responsibility yes. for sure. Yeah. So do you have a model, like a percentage like of ARV that you look for on a deal, like a basic, this is where I start looking? Well, I don't get out of bed for less than 30%. Okay, yeah. But if you're saying like market value, I'm looking for properties that I could buy and renovate and be in for, you know. Under $60,000. Oh, so you want to be able to, to, to renovate for sixty? No, I want to be able to leave my partner's money. I own, okay. I like $60,000 okay. invested. So do Unless, you have a, is there a typical property that you'll look at? You kind of just know, hey, properties in the 280, if it's this type of property, I know that generally speaking, I can renovate it for that price. Yeah. So my model has shifted because my markets have shifted. Midland before was brilliant and worked. Midland now doesn't work, which means the, the properties are still there. My team is still there, but my purchase price is now 350 and I'm barely struggling with appraisers to be able to get 400 on an ARV on a renovated yeah that's that's something I've the purchase prices have gone up and the ARVs have not the duplexes haven't caught up because they need comparables appraisers need comparables yeah Yeah. so until a realtor can show me three comparables at that higher rental rate or that higher ARV it's probably going to be a market that I'm going to shy away from because then I get into my partners are leaving 80,000 100,000 and then I think I could just flip that on a turnkey hundred thousand dollar property um and 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 the cash flow is way better so you have other options at that point and i've had that conversation a bunch today i love that conversation like kind of assessing your market looking at it and, and knowing when the getting is good and knowing when it kind of isn't as good and i had that happen in london to me you know the deals i used to be able to buy couldn't buy them anymore yeah and it, it sucked you know it, and i had windsor a lot of momentum has to have had that happen too it windsor is still like you know, it's a lot of people say it's over, but it's not over there yet. Uh, but it's it's changed a lot. It's definitely it's up. Somebody said to me the other day, yeah, I've got a property in Windsor. And I was like, just for pure curiosity, tell me how much. Right. And he was like 330. And I was like, whoa, and that used sounds to be the case. high. Yeah. Right. Like I was thinking that, you know, we were still in the 200, 250 price range. Your but- cash flow is astronomical down there, yeah. though, still, well, especially yeah. on the on the student rentals. Yeah. I've heard some insane stuff. Uh, one guy I was talking to just bumped into him on on uh, YouTube and he was commenting and, and uh, he messaged me and, and got, uh, he said he had $2,600 cash flow on one property. $2,600 on one property that he bought. So I unskin that onion for a little bit. I sat across the, and the gentleman said the same thing. And I was like, that's awesome. Um, I said, uh, what's your current loan to value? And he was like, oh, well, I don't have a mortgage. I can't get a mortgage. It was a student rental. Oh, and I was like, oh, <laughs> right, which I like. So you're comparing apples to apples. And that's another big tip for somebody is, you know, don't just because somebody says they got all their money back and then you go, let's peel the onion back here. And you're like, so your brother and your dad and your cousin did all the work and you didn't pay oh, them yeah. so your renovations were thirty thousand, whereas yeah. somebody else's would be 80 and you're like okay yeah. but remove some factors or add in some factors yeah. or you know whatever that might be yeah i got a friend doing one of those right now yeah. doing doing one where they're you know it's the the buddies and, and the brothers coming out working on weekends and yeah you're going to renovate way cheaper in that type of scenario we did the same thing yeah. like my husband was working 40 hours at a job and 40 hours at our first property our anniversary was a bottle of wine at the property as we were drywalling like it was just that was just life right but it teaches you a lot and then you kind of go is this what i want to do or am i looking to scale a business and there's there's a fine line between i think there was some statistics out recently about what percentage of the population own more than three properties so typically three is your primary res a cottage and a student rental or a house for your parents those are your three properties and i think there was you know like um over over three properties was 1% of the population owned more than three. Over 10 was 1% of the 1%. Cool. That's right. That's very cool. So you realize that who you can talk to after you have more than five properties yeah. becomes slimmer and slimmer and slimmer. And don't, you know, um, make sure you're talking to the right people. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome, Mandy. Mm-hmm. Where would people uh, get a hold of you if they wanted to find out more? MandyBrenham.com for my website or um, Facebook, um, mandybrenham.com. I've got a page and stuff um, 
personal, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Do you have a, a an Instagram? You have a yeah, yeah. JV Queen. Yep. JV Queen. Yeah. Okay. Um, LinkedIn as well. JV Queen. Um, LinkedIn and Twitter. Same. Oh, thing. you're all over the place. Yeah, I am. It's fun. All right. I well, love I'll put it. I'll put uh, I'll put the basics down there in yeah. the description so that uh, the people can start there, and then I'm sure that you're a Google away uh, yeah. for the rest of it. And um, yeah, so outside of all this stuff, uh, when you're not investing, what are you doing for fun? So I had a little cry moment today. My daughter is uh, away for 10 months in Italy um, on a rotary exchange and it's her birthday on Monday. So here's like a reality check of a, of a busy businesswoman, right? Um, so I didn't get her package in the mail. I only put it in the mail today and I was really upset with myself that that she wasn't going to have it for her birthday right? Like I should have done it last week and shoulda, 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 right? So anyways, I, what did I do for fun? I had a really nice Skype phone call with her today, just connecting. She was bebopping, telling me all about school. Um, I sit and listen to my son. Uh, my husband's hunting right now. And uh, yeah, so uh, we spend time outside with a dog, uh, going for walks. Yeah. Just- nice area for that. Cold yeah. area in the winter, but cold area in the winter, but Lots yeah, of snow. I'm pretty um, masterminding with people who are going places. Nice. Actually, that's one more follow up I have just before we uh, we wrap this up yeah. is uh, for people kind of looking for their mentor. Yes. How would you say to approach them? I know I've been fortunate enough. One of my mentors, uh, you know, he would pick up the call whenever I called, yeah. which I mean, that's a very delicate thing to to work into because you don't want to overwhelm them how do you recommend somebody new approach it if they're seeking a mentor how can i add value to you uh when i met my mentor um i knew everything about the community and he was an outsider coming to invest so he'd already he was already here he was already investing but he didn't know the ins and outs he didn't know about the development of a new motel and the high school and stuff like that because i was on the student council all these kind of things so i would say to him often what can i do for you Okay. And so there are things that maybe they don't know because they're busy doing whatever and, or, and you know what, one thing about it was friendship. You know, we would go and view properties together. It kind of gets lonely as an entrepreneur. So, you know, without always saying he, they're giving to me because every, every relationship is, um, is symmetrical. So they're getting just as much out of it as, as you are, but it's okay to ask them every once in a while, what can I do for you? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Or just go out of your way to help them, right? You know, what what is it? Is it there? And I think the key thing there is is uh, to build on that is it's not always going to be glamorous. Like some sometimes the way that you can add value isn't necessarily glamorous, but is it worth what you get back? Yeah. Is the other thing to consider. I w- I would say. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's it is tough. I do get a quite a few of those you know, uh, in inquiries and, and it's like, I, I want to, uh, to be able to, but some of it, it's like, my work is kind of complex. And if you want to do the work that you say you want to do, I got to teach you a lot to, yeah. to, so you can do it. There's other work that you could start with <laughs> until yeah. you, until you get your, your feet under you. Oh, for sure. And, and I wouldn't hesitate if somebody were to say, um, Hey, I'd like to help you, Mandy. And I'd say, okay, I need you to, you know, like, yeah. I need you to go organize my paperwork that I'm going to give to my bookkeeper. Nothing sexy, nothing anything, but, but that's super gold. Actually, I I, I would love that. I'll see all your numbers. Yeah, <laughs> that's right, right. And you'd be like, where yeah. does this one go? Yep. What, do, what do I write on it? Just stuff like that. Um, yeah. But you know what? Also, be okay with having to pay for a mentor. If you, you know, like because you know, if I have one more person that says, "Hey, Mandy, I'd love to go out for coffee." Yeah, I get that. But, you know, like I acknowledge as well, there's something to be said that the value you're willing to pay for something. And I mean, my first coaching group was well over 15,000. So, I mean, I knew that when I paid that, I stood up and I showed up and I became the best version of myself. Whereas if it's free, you get free. So, you know, you just want to make yeah. sure that you are acknowledging um what you want to get out of it yeah yeah absolutely okay well that's great i uh i really appreciate you uh coming on the episode and uh i think i'll probably uh, be bumping into you at the the meetup later on tonight absolutely so uh you know thanks again mandy and uh, we'll uh, i'll be sure to keep tabs and see how you're doing <laughs> thank you thanks for having me on this is awesome thanks for listening and watching today's episode quick reminder please take a moment to rate and review this podcast on itunes if you're watching on youtube make sure you smash the like and subscribe buttons and the notification bell and feel free to post a comment below and while you're at it why not share this episode with somebody you think it could help i'd really appreciate it and it's going to help grow our community around this podcast thanks again for watching we'll see you on the next one